in today's world, I'm not used to waiting. And I don't have to. I can order a takeaway that's delivered in 20 minutes. I can place an order for next day delivery. And traveling, in my, if my timings are slightly out, I may have to wait 30 minutes for a train or a bus. Our modern world has become so efficient that many things happen instantly at the press of a button. I can get test results. I can transfer money. I even get an endorphin high when someone likes my post. We live in a world of instant gratification. Our expectations for answers to results is now. And when we have to wait, or wait longer than we think we should, we feel aggrieved by the delay and question why. We are taught self-sufficiency from a very young age. In life's ups and downs, we know that there are systems and structures in place to cover our basic needs. We put our trust in these structures and systems and they become our strongholds, our safety nets. But it isn't until the wheels fall off, like the pandemic, with something is out of human control, when these structures and systems struggle to sustain us, that we realize that we have been trusting in false strongholds to give us security. Many of the Psalms speak of God being our stronghold and our strength, a place of safety that we can go to in times of challenge. And today we're going to be looking at three aspects of praying to help us find the security and strength in God, our true stronghold. We'd look, we will look at two parables uh, and how we can pray with intention, consistently, consistently and with the right heart. Um, and how this will help us through our lives. But just before these parables in the Bible, Jesus talked about the coming of the kingdom of God. He outlines his return. But until this happens, we are living in this in-between time, a broken world with evil, suffering, and injustice. Jesus tells two parables that talk about praying during this time. So let's take a look at the first parable of the persistent widow. Uh, it's Luke chapter 18. And if you've got one of these blue Bibles, um, it's on page 993. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who never feared God, nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in the town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time, he refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says and, and, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen one who, who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the son of man comes, he, um, will he find faith on earth? 
And so just, I think because we're short on time, I had a question. Maybe uh, you could just have a really quick think, sort of two seconds, sort of quick, quick, quick blast together, and then um, we'll feed back. But in this widow, in this um, parable, uh, who has the power? Have a just quick think. Who has the power in this parable? Who, who's holding the power? Okay, anybody got an answer? Anybody want to shout out? It's gone quiet, so you're either stuck. <laughs> the judge. The judge has got the power. What, why has he got the power? Yeah, he was the one who decided what went, went on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any other thoughts or ideas? So for those of you who don't know, in, in, in the biblical time, the widow was basically she had no authority. Just being a woman uh, meant that she had nothing. She, she wouldn't be heard. This was a, basically a male-dominated arena anyway. So being a widow without a husband to speak for her, she had very little chance of getting, very little hope of getting any justice. Um, uh, and, you know, the, the judge, you know, in comparison, you've got kind of the judge who, who's sort of arrogant and uh, he doesn't fear God or man. He's self-sufficient. But we do see this power shift, don't we, where something changes. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about that uh, later. Now, we shouldn't read this parable uh, with the eyes of our Western culture. The Hebrew culture often used opposites to show counterpoints as being so much greater than. So in this parable, if a judge who is unjust and ungodly can make good just decisions, then how much more will God, who is perfect justice and righteousness, answers the widow's plea? So we don't need to constantly beg God for an answer. He's not so busy that he will only answer our prayers if we nag him enough but the complete opposite. And verse 7 says, And will not God bring about justice to those chosen for, to, for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? He is a God of justice. And verse 8 says, I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. But God's version of quickly is not our modern day version. We do have to wait at times for answers to those prayers to come. And waiting can be difficult, especially because we are not used to waiting. But in challenging and difficult times, we do not wait alone. We have Jesus who waits with us and intercedes for us. And we find a way to trust God in his perfect timing. Our mighty and loving God has a great big heart. He cares deeply for those who cry out to him. He is a God who spoke everything into existence. He continues to hold all things together, even in this in-between time. As we wait for Jesus' return, all our prayers are heard, and not one single prayer is forgotten. What we also learn from the widow's story, which is used as a comparison of um, to our prayers, is that she petitioned the judge with intention. She made a plan. She goes to the unjust judge every day to put her request before him. She goes without fail, 
putting aside other things, sacrificially giving her time and not letting anything get in her way. In doing this, she's recognized by the judge who sees her and grants her request. Our Western um, lives and culture seem far different to the times of these parables. We are busy with work, sports, family, leisure, social media activity. We live life in the fast lane, in an instant world, and it can feel impossible to make time for prayer. And although there's stark cultural differences, this parable is about priorities. The widow put this before anything else because it was that important. She made a plan, went to the only place she could find help and stuck to it. And so we should pray with intention like the widow. And while the widow was coming to the judge with a plea for a certain issue, I believe this parable is a reflection of us coming to the Lord consistently in prayer with all our needs, concerns, and heartfelt desires. As she entered his court, she was just another person with a complaint. But over time, the judge recognized her with her persistent plea and became fearful of her. Even though the widow and the unjust judge had a relationship of sorts because of her persistent pleading, in contrast, how much stronger would our relationship be in coming to our creator, our father, who is loving, trustworthy, and faithful? Unlike the unjust God, the judge, sorry, God is pleased to see us every time we spend time with him. And what I love most about the parable is that this widow has no power in this world. And it turns the earthly order upside down and wins the battle against adversity. As we pray, we too turn the earthly order upside down and we win the battle against the enemy. And finally, we need to pray with a right heart. So let's take a look at the second parable, which may help us um, with how we approach God in prayer. And so that's Luke chapter 18, 9 to 14. And it's the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. To some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like the other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like the tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So just to keep you on your toes, just another quick question. In the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, what is the difference in, in the way that they pray? So just have a chat with uh, each other and just see what you can think of the differences. Very good. 
very good. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody got anything to add to that? Yeah, exactly. So you've got the kind of the Pharisee comparing himself with others, and then you've got the tax collector comparing himself to God's standard. Yeah. Okay. So again, this is a parable of opposites. We see the Pharisee doing all the right things, but not really connecting with God. The tax collector is doing all the wrong His view of self was too great, and his view of God too small. Contrast the tax collector who, despised, who was despised because of his role, knew he was a sinner, and that he had fallen short of God's standards. He came to God with, um, with heart seeking God's forgiveness. He had a low view of himself and a high view of God. The tax collector was the one who received God's infinite grace and the Pharisee went away unchanged by his prayer. And this brings us to our third point, which is praying with the right heart. As we become before our creator, we need to remember he knows us intimately. Nothing is hidden from him. And I personally sometimes find that quite scary. But we don't have to pretend to be something he knows we are not. We all fall short of God's standards, and therefore we should approach God with humility, examining our hearts first and acknowledging our weakness knowing that he is a generous in grace and forgiveness. And 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 reminds us that my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. How amazing is that? So don't be like the Pharisee saying all the right things, but missing an authentic connection with God. Rather, be like the tax collector, recognizing our failings, approaching God with humility and submitting to God's authority with an open and repentant heart. When we pray intentionally, consistently and with the right heart, our strongholds shift from worldly systems and structures to heavenly strongholds. And Psalm 27 reminds us, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? We need to pray with intention. We can, can, be, we can become transformed from a small widow into a mighty prayer warrior seeking justice on earth. We need to pray consistently and not just as an add-on or an extra thing that we do. We need to pray with the right heart We need to come with humility, recognizing our failings and God's strength, submitting to God's will, which may not be the same as our will. So let us be a church that stands firm on the foundations of prayer, petitioning and interceding for the needs of the world. God made us in his image for himself so that he could be in relationship with us. He invites us through prayer to develop that relationship with him as we meet him consistently. And in our world of noise and constant activity, it can feel alien to stop, take a breath, quieten our heart and sit in silence. 
And like at the start of any relationship, prayer may initially feel a bit awkward and unnatural as we find ways of expressing ourselves. We can worry about praying with the wrong motives or selfish intent or in the right way and end up second-guessing ourselves so much so that we just give up. But like any good practice, consistency is the key. As we spend more time with God, we learn more of his nature and discover who we are in his eyes. We are designed to be We are designed to be who we are through God, and he has a perfect plan for us. These quiet moments become our sanctuary, our strongholds, a place where we're equipped to be Jesus' hands and feet in a world with all its challenges, concerns, and brokenness. It's easy to forget how powerful a few prayerful words spoken in the quiet can be. But those pleas for God's help in the big and the little things of life are transformative. And although prayer, and through, sorry, and through prayer, our hearts become changed and they start to beat in time with our Creator. And whenever we leave God's presence, we leave refreshed, healed, and made new again. Prayer is also the foundations of our four areas of vision of this church, which is family, evangelism, discipleship, and justice. It is crucial that we as individuals and as a church seek God in prayer for this, for his wisdom, for his strategies, and his outworking in these areas. Praying into this means that we work with God's roadmap, we work, we, we work with his strength, and we fulfill his vision for this church. So can I encourage us, church, to be a church that prays for God's work to be done in this church, in this town, and in the world. Now, just as um, part of something we'd like to do, just thinking about praying and thinking about finding a way to encourage us to pray consistently for our town, uh, what we've done is we have taken some road names of Tame. And what we'd like you to do is take a road name away with you and commit to pray consistently for that particular road. If it's got houses on it, pray for the people. You're just praying a blessing on it. Doesn't have to, you don't have to know who's in those houses. If it's got business on it, pray for, pray for God's blessing on the business. If it's got a police, um, you know, whatever is there. If it's got school, pray for the school. You know, just take a road, and I wonder, I'd like to encourage us for the next month or more, if we could just be praying for one road, for God's kingdom to come, for God's blessing to be on those places, as we start to stir the waters of God's will and way in this town.